Do you feel stuck and unhappy in your job? You don't want to leave, but something's wrong and you can't quite put your finger on what it is. Maybe you're not happy, but you're comfortable being unhappy and changing things. Seems like too much effort and is downright scary. In this episode, I'm joined by Dr. Pauline Morris. She's an anaesthetist and a career coach, and we talk about tips and strategies to help you do the inner work and explore your own strengths and interests to work out what you actually want and need out of a job and a career. So listen to this episode to find out why we so often stay stuck in a toxic career which is making us miserable. And listen if you want to think about your career in a brand new light, focusing on the right things, not just what you've always been told. Welcome to You Are Not A Frog, the podcast for doctors and other busy professionals who want to beat burnout and work happier. I'm Dr. Rachel Morris. I'm a GP, now working as a coach, speaker and specialist in teaching resilience. Even before the coronavirus crisis, we were facing unprecedented levels of burnout. We have been described as frogs in a pan of slowly boiling water. We hardly noticed the extra long days becoming the norm and have got used to feeling stressed and exhausted. Let's face it, frogs generally only have two options. Stay in the pan and be boiled alive or jump out of the pan and leave. But you are not a frog and that's where this podcast comes in. It is possible to craft your work and life so that you can thrive even in difficult circumstances. And if you're happier at work, you'll simply do a better job. In this podcast, I'll be inviting you inside the minds of friends, colleagues and experts, all who have an interesting take on this, so that together we can take back control and love what we do again. I wanted to let you know that we're now taking bookings for our Shapes Toolkit programmes. Now, these programmes help doctors, professionals in health and social care and other high-stress jobs take control of their workload, feel better and beat stress and burnout. We've also got some brand new sessions on how to influence and negotiate even if you're not the boss, dealing with conflict and how to support your team through the new ways of working without burning out yourself. We've also got bespoke sessions for those new to roles in general practice and for frontline staff. Find out more by emailing me or get in contact through our website. So it's fantastic to have with me on the podcast today, Dr. Pauline Morris. Now, Pauline's an anaesthetist and she's a career coach who specialises in the careers of doctors. So Pauline, welcome. It's really great to have you. Thank you very much. I'm really happy to be here as well. So Pauline, let's kick off because I'm really fascinated in what people come to you with. So typically when a doctor approaches you for some coaching, what do they tend to be struggling with in terms of career? Most people tend, when people come to me, they they tend to be struggling with one of three things. One is they think that they are in an environment that's not really conducive to them growing in a way that they want to as a physician. The other thing they come to me with is doubt about whether or not they actually want to continue in medicine, you know, the, the I'm falling out of, of medicine thing. And unexpectedly, the third one is people having a combination of those two in as much as they're struggling to work out where to place their focus. And they kind of feel as if they're sort of running around the, the, the headless chicken hamster wheel and they're not really sure what they want to be doing and they don't know why they're feeling like this. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I, I put it I, I put it in the umbrella term of I'm struggling with my CPD. <laughs> I'm struggling to meet my professional obligations and I don't really know why. Mm-hmm. Um, and it causes a great amount of angst, actually. And that that is the one that I've found to be most interest, most interesting since I um, started career coaching with doctors. That's interesting. So people will come to you saying there's something wrong, but I don't quite know what it is. It's this feeling of, yeah, just what you said. Something's wrong. I'm not sure what it is. I'm getting more and more unhappy. I'm not sure what I need to be doing with with my career. And uh, I thought I knew what I wanted to do. And now I'm not so sure. So that that's that's a very, very um, common one. I thought I actually thought it would be more along the lines of when I first started, I thought it would have been more along the lines of I just don't know if I want to do medicine or not. But it's really amazing how many people really love medicine, really want to stay in medicine, but feel directionless, rudderless. And um, I haven't got the 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 career counseling that perhaps would have helped them earlier on make those make the decisions that would help them feel good about where they are and what they're doing at at whatever place they are when they talk to me so yeah that that's that's a fairly common one it's interesting isn't it because I think that we we don't ever get any career advice when we qualify you sort of know the different tracks that you go down so it's like surgeon boom that track GP that track but we don't ever get the actual advice about well, what's really going to suit you. How would you like your job to be? And then if you're going to do surgery, whichever surgery you like and you choose, well, there's different types of career, even within that one specialty. And no one ever seems to Correct. sit down and prepare you for that, do they? Correct. You hit the nail on the head right there. That's exactly it. And the other thing that we, and again, even picking your career, we, we as physicians, physicians have been taught and we we and most of us believe that we are separate from our professional career who we are as a person is separate and we're told that that's what was supposed to happen you're supposed to leave all your your values and beliefs and 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 put on your your cookie cutter cape as soon as you walk through the door and because of that people find themselves in jobs that don't align with who they are or who they want to be because as you said, you know, oh, you like surgery. Okay, great. Oh, oh, you like babies, go do peds. Or you, yeah, you, you get that. But then the career counseling that goes deeper than that is, well, what kind of life do you want to live? Are you okay working nights? Are you okay working weekends? Do you want to go into private practice? Do you like working in teams? You know, these kind of things that come along with those kinds of questions, you know, do you, do you enjoy sitting at a desk, seeing 20 patients in an hour. Is that okay for you? What is it? And then when you, does that match with who you are? Does that match with your personality traits, with how you best bring your energy to the world? You know, if you're somebody who really enjoys chatting with people, you know, you might find that as much as you enjoyed radiology, that it actually isn't fulfilling as a career for you, you know, and vice versa. So it's these sort of little things that we never were counseled on and we never were coached on. How will your career fit into your life? And as we come down the road now where people are beginning to realize that actually 
you know, it wasn't like 20 years ago where once you got into it, once you became a consultant, once, you know, you were kind of stuck, you were kind of there and this is what you were expecting to do. So people have started to wake up a little bit and go, well, hang on a minute. I realize I'm not happy and I think there's something I can do about it. But a lot of people just don't know where to start because they've never had the experience of looking inside for answers and being curious about what it is they need from their career, as opposed to the way we always view medicine, which is we give, we give, we give. And actually, we're well within our rights to have medicine give something back to us. And that's the novel idea. Yeah, well, it's a very powerful idea, isn't it? And and all the research has shown that if you're happy at work, you do a better job. You're, you're better yeah. at it. You're, you're more you're more productive at it. And like what you said, that I love that that cookie cutter analogy. And we had um, Sarah Golding on the podcast recently talking about the fact she sometimes felt like you know one of those shape sorters you had when you were little, and you you, you put the star through yeah. the star <laughs> hole and the round through the round <laughs> hole. And she sometimes felt she was like a star trying to get through this square hole and the square peg in the round hole. Yeah, well, quite literally, isn't it? And you you get yourself down. There. I think the problem for many doctors and not just doctors but also other professionals I, I would think you know people that go into these sort of very high stress jobs such as law and accountancy is that you sort of know what that job looks like and what you need to do to do that job but what you don't know is about your own strengths and values and skills and it was a real um revelation Absolutely. to me when I when I did a strength survey, I was like oh those are my top five strengths well that 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 explains why I haven't quite liked that bit of my job, because actually then that bit, I'm not using any of those strengths and skills at all. <laughs> why do you think we find it so hard yeah. to understand ourselves? Oh, ooh, that's multifactorial, I think. I think one, it's for many of us, our lives as doctors were kind of mapped out for us very early on in life. And, you know, there, there was the, well, you're you're a bit smart and you're the first doctor in your family or everybody else is a doctor in your family. And, and they're, they're those sort of things. And then there's the inherent nature of, I, I want to help. I want to give back. And being a healthcare provider is a wonderful way of being your brother's keeper. So that means you're naturally a giving person. You, you're naturally seeking ways for you to make other people's lives better. And an unfortunate side effect of that is often that you neglect yourself at the expense of others. And when you get into a profession like medicine, which is so, which is thought to be so altruistic, and we are encouraged to be altruistic, you know, there's no physician who hasn't heard the patient comes first, or, you know, it's sometimes you just have to leave late, start early, you know, miss the birthday, the weddings, the the funeral, you know, whatever it is. And it's an expectation. And quite rightly so. It it should be that because there are times when you just won't be able to walk away. The problem is it's it's a norm, it's an expectation. It, it, it is not the exception. It is the rule. And if you look at the history of medicine, where 50 years ago, 100 years ago, when when the profession of a physician actually became known as a profession they were all males you know they 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 came together in their clubs and their groups you know their wives and their servants and everybody else because they tended to be of higher class and ilk and monetary you know monetary standing 
their lives were taken care of for them outside of pretty much everything else. So this idea of I, I will go to work and sometimes I'll just not come back was accept and it was socially acceptable. But when we look at who, who becomes a physician now, you know, it, it is not acceptable to just never be home for your husband, your wife, your children, your parents, your friends, for your own self. And the way we train in medicine and the way we think in medicine has not trained, has not changed, uh, pardon me, with the way our community within medicine has changed. We, we haven't followed that change. So this idea of, of putting ourselves, um, not even, I'm not even going to say first, but off the back burner is still, is still challenging for us because it's just not the done thing. And it's almost frowned upon to say that, you know, yeah, actually, no, I'm not going to stay late today. I'm going to leave. You know, it, it's it's not it's not encouraged. It's not, you know, it's not expected. You know, when my daughter was working and she's the, the software engineering, you know, they, they used to get a little bell telling them, you know, it's half an hour before it's time to start wrapping up. Get yourself home. <laughs> Could you imagine that in medicine? <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine GP sitting there going, if only, you know, bell goes half an hour before the, the specific end time of the surgery. And he's like, still got three hours to go. <laughs> so it is hard for us, but yeah. we're coming to terms with it, I think. It's, it's getting it's getting better. I think that, you know, this thing about our own particular, what's important to us, what our strengths are, what we want out of a career is something that we really really need to think about because I'm I wonder if you know when you get people coming to you do you sometimes have people coming saying right that's it I've just got to get out I've just got to leave medicine and actually after having some coaching sessions it's not that they want to leave medicine it's just that they need to make things fit them more They, they need to make the job or the career that they're in actually suit their unique skills and interests do you find that absolutely Absolutely. There, there are two issues here, as you said. One, we don't tend to know ourselves. We don't tend to know what makes us happy, what makes us feel energetic and joyful, what makes us want to get up and come to work in the morning. That's the one thing. The second thing is we're inherent perfectionists we, and we struggle with the concept of changing our mind. You know, it's like, well, no, no, you can't whistle. You've started now. You've got to finish. And if you don't finish, it means that you've failed. You haven't completed something. You, you, you know, you, you, you've quit. You know, the idea of actually this is not working for me. So I'm going to stop and I'm going to take stock and I'm going to start over is alien to us. And the idea of, of putting the, fa- the fact that you've invested 7, 10, 12 years down a particular path and gone, mm, you know, I've just worked out this as a work for me. I'm going to go again. That is a really difficult concept for us. And actually, the system does not make it an easy process for us either. You know, there is not a lot of respect for an ophthalmologist deciding to be a GP. There's respect is probably a bad word. There's not a lot of um, accounting for the skills and experiences that you would have had in another specialty and deciding to go to another one. And there are practicalities to that. Definitely, that is true. But we could really be a lot more flexible about how we ask people to retrain 
when they decide they want to go down a particular a, a different route from the one they've started on. So there, there's sort of three issues here. Two of them are personal and one of them is systemic. But to be fair, a lot of people never make it past one or two to actually get to, to struggle with number three. Because as I said in the beginning, looking internally for us, I mean, looking internally in general as, a, as people is really difficult because you have to face yourself in ways that you've never faced yourself before. And it's very challenging and it can be very emotional and it can be quite daunting as well. And as physicians, we, we, we almost feel as if we are above such, what's the word I want? Issues, because we're strong people and we know what we want and we're determined and, and we're perfectionists and we're, you know, and that whole idea of coloring before yourself in a mirror is, is unthinkable. (laughs) So often the barriers to us being, getting that successful career and happy and fulfilling life is our own selves. Yeah. Yeah, it gets labelled as all that touchy-feely crap that I don't need to do. I just need to do the job or whatever. And, you know, <laughs> my my husband always laughs at all these, I call them business development books I read. He calls them self-help books, you know, and it's just like, why are you reading all those? Well, actually, they really helped. They really helped me, you know, change who I am and understand myself and everything like that. I think so. I think you're absolutely right. It's this perception that it's a bit woolly and weak. I think sometimes as well, we just don't have mm. the, the time to do it either. So it's like, well, yeah, I, I just haven't even got the time to do that. So there's that. But I think there's something that you and I talked about before this podcast as well. And that is, I'm unhappy, but I'm in a comfort zone. And I know I can do this job and it, it's okay. Yeah, it, it's not great. But actually, that's a little bit scary. As soon as I start to look outside of that or to think there is something else that I could do, then I might fail or that might get really uncomfortable. Yeah. The comfort zone, the dreaded comfort zone, uh, you know, they, we've all got all kinds of ways to talk about it. Oh, the devil, you know, versus the devil, you don't know. And, you know, you can be jumping out of the frying pan into the fire. Yeah. We, we've got all kinds of idioms and, and ways of describing it, but it's actually just about being comfortable and understanding where you are and knowing what's coming next. And there's a certain amount of comfort in that. Even if, even when you know what's coming next is something that you don't want. It's, it's really weird how the, the, the psyche works because we think to ourselves, you know, I, I really don't want this, but actually I know how to deal with it. I know how to cope. And as you quite rightly said, I don't particularly enjoy, enjoy my job, but I can do it. It doesn't, it doesn't challenge me and, you know, it pays the bills. And really, if I thought about it, you know, I'd, I'd upset my parents and my spouse would be disappointed. And then my kid won't be able to say that my mommy's a surgeon and, you know, and we give ourselves all kinds of reasons to stay in that comfort zone because it also makes us comfortable to know that we are not stressing anybody else. And that's a, that's really difficult, I think, sometimes for us to, to know that you've made somebody else uncomfortable is difficult. So we often don't do things because we worry about what other people will think and how they will react and what they will do. You know, I could, and I'll be honest, I couldn't imagine phoning up my mother, God rest her soul, one day and going, you know what, mom, I've decided I don't want to be a doctor anymore. I'm going to, I don't know, um, paint forest. You know, I can't, I could never imagine having that conversation with my mother. I think I'd probably just never tell her, (laughs) you know, 
So I do recognize that it's it's a really because when you make a decision like this, it doesn't just impact you and it impacts your family and your on your marriage and your children. And there are a lot of reasons to stay comfortable because you don't you don't find out anything that you don't want to know. Mm-hmm. And it's it's you don't lo- get answers. Yeah, yeah you don't get answers to questions that you don't want to ask. <laughs> yeah. And it is it is it's a lot more comfortable being like comfortably miserable <laughs> and just whinging a lot. Yeah. But if you wanted to actually yeah. actually make some changes, it means you've got to be proactive about stuff and and it might fail. And then if it fails, you haven't really got anybody else to to blame. At least if you're in your comfort zone, you can just blame the system and the job and it all being all being dreadful. Yeah. So I I get that. I think it's really we all love a good whinge, don't we? Oh, we oh, we absolutely love a good whinge. And I think something you said to me <laughs> earlier was, you know, just because things are familiar doesn't mean that it's good for you. And interesting, I was just on a lunchtime webinar actually, and one of the doctors on the webinar said that her husband said that when they come home from work, they're a husk of a person because all their care has gone into their work and their job during the day, and they've got nothing left for their family. And that was such a sad comment to read wow. that that someone is is yeah is just living like that and feeling that there's no choice or that 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 com- mm. the comfortableness of being there is actually better than the alternative, which is a bit scary. But gosh, yeah, and this this is one of the things we 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 have this belief that it just has to be like this. It it can't be any other way. And you've only got so much love and so much energy. And you pour it all out into your job for for eight, ten, twelve, however many hours a day. But the thing that I I would like to say is, we are, we we can we we are infinite in the amount of of compassion and love that we can give. The problem is how we do it and in what environments that we find ourselves in, because to give that compassion and that care and that love. We have to be getting something back. So whilst our it's infinite, you know, it's never ending. Your capacity to love and care is never ending. However, it doesn't mean it doesn't need fueling. And this is where we 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 fail when we train as doctors and we train other doctors. We don't encourage people to fill their own cups. We just expect people to just give and give and give and give and give. Are you constantly stressed and thinking about work? Does your laptop come with you on holiday? Your to-do list have permanent residence in your brain and your worry about how to handle the latest crisis wake you up in the small hours? Then it's time to get your life back and that's exactly what our brand new online course will help you do. It's a 60-minute reset for healthcare professionals to shift your mindset so you can set boundaries and limits around your work without the endless guilt that you've not done enough. It's just £27 and you can get instant access now when you go to shapestoolkit.com slash getyourlifeback. And um, going back to what you said about the woolly stuff, the fluffy bunny stuff, it is important to understand what energizes you and where you get your energy from. And if you are in the right job for you, I'm not saying that you'll never have bad days and it'll never be difficult and you'll always be smelling roses. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what it means is that that expression, a husk of a person, you're not in the right place. 
you're either not in the right environment, you're not in the right job, or something else in your life is completely out of alignment. But all of us have the capacity to, to have successful careers and happy lives. But it, it, it is a path and it does take thought, deliberate thought and deliberate action. And often as physicians, we're very passive in our careers. We kind of just do what we're told and, and follow on from whatever we think we should be doing. And we get lost along the way. And we think that the path must be straight and it must be direct. And, you know, there must never be any side alleys or wandering off or rest, you know, on the footpath or whatever. And this is where this this lack of, of joy comes from in our job so that when we come home, we have nothing left. But we do have a choice. We do have a choice. But it does take deliberate thought and deliberate action. You cannot be a passive a passenger in your in your own life you you can't you've got to take control and that is difficult mm. gosh i think that it's such a a profound thing you can't be a passenger in your in your own life and it is it's quite an obvious thing but it's really difficult to do and i think you know this podcast is all about helping people thrive in their work rather than rather than getting everybody to leave and I guess for some people to really thrive you do <laughs> yeah. you do have to maybe change professions but for some people like you said to thrive you can stay in what you're doing but maybe it's just the environment you need to change so it needs to be in a different different surgery or a different mm-hmm. department or different hospital so maybe that's what's needed and for some people actually it might be staying exactly the same in the same role in the same place but just changing the way you do things a little bit and maybe taking on some different types of roles, say doing some teaching rather than being the QI lead or maybe doing something, you know, I don't know, doing something that's going to suit you much more. So absolutely, how, how would you even get people to start to approach finding out what, what, what approach they need to take on this? Okay. So usually, I mean, like most people who come to me, they come to me with career issues. And they're always shocked when I start with, okay, great. Tell me what you enjoy doing. Yeah. And you, you kind of get this sort of dare in the headlight. Look, like, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? Well, I go, I, I, I like skiing. Okay, that's great. That's a hobby. And that's great. I'm glad you have hobbies. But what do you enjoy doing? What, what makes your heart sing? What makes you happy? You know, what is it that makes you want to get up in the morning at the risk of sounding a bit cheesy and a bit corny, right? And it's just what you said. We we have this, we understand very clearly in that medicine has become so complicated that we need different people for different jobs. You need an obstetrician, you need a gynecologist, you need an ophthalmologist, you need, you know, an, an um, intensivist. We understand that. But for some reason, and you kind of alluded to this just now, we don't understand that we can't be masters of all the things that surround medicine. We're not all good auditors, researchers, teachers, leaders, managers. You know, we are not all interested in education. And as you just uh, you said rightly at the beginning, it's about playing to your strengths. So the first thing you need to do is really start to understand your own strengths and your own values. And often that is the easiest way to find that out is to go, well, what do you actually enjoy doing? Do you actually enjoy being college tutor? Yes, no. Well, if you don't enjoy it, don't do it. There are other people who are better at it and who want to do it. And it's okay to step back and let them do that. We've got this thing in in medicine still, this this sort of 
old boys thing where it's your turn to lead now. It's your turn to do this job now without actually going, hang on a minute, does this person have the right skill sets to do this job? And do they want to do it? You know, every one of us can think of horrible mentors and and teachers we had in medicine, and we can think of the great ones as well. And that's one of the very first things that, that you need to come to terms with. What do you value? Do you want to have your name in lights? Do you want to be invited to speak at international conferences? Do you want to be part of NHS England? Do you want to be in a teaching hospital as, as opposed to a DGH? Do you want to be in the city? Is that what you do? You enjoy city life or do you enjoy country life? You know, and it comes back to these sort of things. And people sort of look at me like, well, well, you know, what do you mean? Oh, yeah, I live in London. Oh, what does that have to do with anything? Yes, but do you want to live in London? Mm. Is that where you saw yourself over the next few years? Or do you believe that this is what you should be doing? Oh, I should be in a teaching hospital because they're better than DGHs, right? Oh, I, I really need to have, you know, 20 publications a year. Okay, but do you enjoy doing 20 publications a year? Mm. So the start is, knowing yourself and that is all that and often that's where the biggest challenge is uh for me as a coach with my clients because everybody almost everybody comes with the expectation of right this is going to be about my career no this is about you the person the individual the doctor not just whether i should be a surgeon or i should be a gp there's so much more to it than that and it starts from in looking inwards and we're just not comfortable with that. We're not accustomed to it. Yeah. So that's usually the biggest hurdle when I say to people, right, let's start looking at what you want. Yeah. And I can imagine that is, that's hugely difficult because I know when I first went for some sort of career coaching and, you know, I was asked that question, what do you want? And I was like, I have no idea. I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know. I don't know what I'd like to do because I've done this job for so long that I don't yeah. feel, I, I don't know. I don't know. And I think your point about doing things because of the prestige, I think that is completely en- endemic for doctors. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we think that there's a particular type of job and a particular type of hospital with the getting to do all these presentations at international conferences and you know, there's this hierarchy of what of what you can achieve and, you know, mm-hmm. doing all this research, but you're right, you might not like research or doing this and that. And then you find someone who says, actually, I don't want to do that. Or I don't, I don't, I don't want to take the lead, the clinical director lead for my department anymore. Really? It's your turn. Nope. I'm yeah. not interested. <gasps> it's like suddenly someone's like broken the broken the pattern and said <laughs> no and you're like, wow, that is that is good. You know, I have I have a mate who's a he's a fantastic surgeon and he you know, offered lots of jobs in teaching hospitals. She's like, no, I want to work in a DGH because that will suit me because I have this team around me. I have this different lifestyle. I want that. And and he he chose that. And it's, you know, it's still pretty stressful. And I thought that is absolutely brilliant that he knows himself well enough to know that that's not what he wants there. He He wants this and that's going to work out really well for him. But so often we do things because of the prestige and what it looks like and I never quite understand why some things are a little bit higher up the hierarchy than than other things in medicine and I guess, I guess it's I guess it's just mm. human nature isn't it like if you can look important and you it look is. like you're in leadership role then 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 you are you've made it but actually some people 
are really good technically and that that's where they need to stay doing the doing the technical stuff or doing the creative yes. stuff rather than doing the leadership stuff which sort of takes you away mm. from your practice but we haven't we haven't really grasped this yet and I guess the biggest hurdle is is yourself isn't it not not other people's your own perception yeah correct yeah and this this is a really tough one for us because as you rightly said we have this idea we, we are sold this idea of what a good doctor is and it's this all singing all dancing you know I call it the 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 back page you know your your back page of achievements you know and um, I remember one of my clients she was one of the things that really stressed stressed her was she didn't have a, a good hobby and I was like well, what do you mean you don't have a good a good hobby you know and uh, to cut the long story short essentially it's this concept that everything we do must be exceptional and we must be exceptional at everything we do. So if your hobby is knitting, that's great, but you need to have won some awards for knitting. You know, you can't just sit quietly in a corner and enjoy your knitting. You know, you got to be climbing Mount Everest. You got to be base jumping. You got to have these really exotic things because you're a doctor. What do you mean you knit? <laughs> you know, it's just, what, what's your hobby? Oh yeah, I, I enjoy reading and sitting you know, and sitting under the tree in my garden. Really? That's what you do? Oh, okay. You know, and I remember in the coffee room, you know, even in the coffee room, there's this competition. Oh, what did you do on the weekend? Oh, I went skiing. Oh, oh, you know that Japanese place I went, you know, and I'd be sitting there thinking, well, I mowed the lawn. <laughs> I walked the dog. <laughs> I saw some place. friends. You know, yeah. I just couldn't. You know, I just could not take part in this conversation of all these amazing things that people did with their 48 hours away from work. I was like, well, I saw I spent an extra two hours in bed, you know, <laughs> you know, but it, it was almost you you felt that it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just great. I'm, I'm so great. Even my hobbies are great. You know, every spare moment I, I, I spend, you know, I'm, I'm, it's great. I'm just great. And it's, it's hard work, man. It's just hard work. <laughs> You're making me laugh, Pauline, because honestly, I have had those thoughts myself of, I need to do a really good hobby. And actually, then I, I looked at some, I did Myers-Briggs and found out my personality profile. I'm something, I'm somebody that likes to do loads and loads of different things. So I do loads and loads of different stuff, but I'm not very good at any of it. You know, there's tennis and ice skating and running and a bit of music and a bit of singing and that. But, you know, I'm not very good at any of them. And I've been beating myself up about that. But actually, it was suddenly when I found that actually... Some people go really deep into one thing. Some people just like to do loads of different mm -hmm. things. That is okay. And like what you just said, it's okay. just spending time with your kids or mowing the lawn or sitting under a tree in your garden, looking at the birds. That is also totally fine. And, and all okay. And with your job, you know, just going and seeing your patients and doing a good job. That is, that is good. That is good enough. That is good enough. And it was one of the things I really struggled with when I was a trust appraiser. You know, I'd have these wonderful physicians at the end of the year, you know, they turn up on time, they haven't got any complaints, you know, they do their job well, they're really good at what they do. You know, they 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 may or may not be doing something else like clinical governance or, or medical education or something. And then I had this whole tick box of things going, oh yeah, but have you done an audit? Oh yeah, but have you have you done a presentation? And I'd be sitting there thinking, this is ridiculous. This is absolutely totally unnecessary. And, and that was kind of the start of my, my, well, no, I kind of started it myself with my own career. But by the time I got to that stage, I was like, okay, no, something has to be done. This is ridiculous. 
we are making people feel inadequate and incompetent just because they don't want to have their hand in every single cookie jar. It's it's totally unreasonable. Where else would we expect people to work like this? Nowhere else. Nowhere else do we expect people to do this. But for some reason, as you said, well, not for some reason, This it's a cultural pressure. It's a historical pressure. And it's time for us to evolve in the way we think about ourselves as healthcare providers, because healthcare provision has evolved past that kind of individual. We cannot be, you know, jack of all trades and master of none. When when the, the consultant was the hospital administrator and the teacher and the mentor and in charge of the nurses and, you know, and in charge of the budget, those days are gone. So why can we not just embrace our own strengths, promote the people who want to do what they want to do because they will do it well and allow people that freedom to say, right, this is this is what makes me a good doctor. And that's all right. I don't need to do anything else. Mm-hmm. So, Pauline, what would you say to someone that, that comes to you for careers advice and says, look, I don't really want to leave medicine, but I want to use more of my strengths at work. And at the moment, I'm I don't feel that I am in my particular role. How would you help them with that? So, excuse me, it goes back to the very beginning, like I was saying, there must, there inevitably, there will be parts of your role that you do enjoy. Whatever it is that you, there will be some things that you do enjoy. And one of the things that we need to do is pull those things out and go, okay, so of the, okay, so you are a surgeon and you are the clinical governance lead and you teach an ATLS course. Of those three things, what do you enjoy most? And what about it do you enjoy the most, right? So it might be around the actual job itself, the specialty. It can be around the the pillars of medicine, you know, safety, governance, education, those sort of things. And it's about getting to the root of those things the second, the second thing that we need to think about is the environment that you're you're in, and you talked about that earlier on. It might be that you are doing the right specialty in the you know with the right adjuvant, but you're in the wrong environment. Maybe you want to be in a teaching hospital and you're in a DGH, and you're frustrated because you're trying to achieve things that are more difficult to achieve in a DGH than in a trust, and vice versa. And quite frankly, some environments are quite toxic. You know, you could be in a team that doesn't function. You could be working in a department that's dysfunctional. And it could be you as well. You could be facing issues, right, that impact on your career. And you have to come to the realization that that's that's what it is. So there there are three prongs to to this, to, to answering this question. And often... People struggle so much with answering the question themselves. One of the first thing I'll say to them is go ask the people in your life that you trust. Go ask them. What do they think? What do they think you're good at? When do they see you at your happiest? What will what what do people come to you for? How would they describe you? You know, and that's when people start coming out of their shells a bit more, when they get that information from trusted people in their lives. And that's when the, you know, the, the threads start to weave together a bit and we can work out what is, is it that you're in the wrong career? Is it that you're in the wrong place? Or actually, is this something personal that is now impacting on your professional life and you haven't actually acknowledged it? 
you know. So it's it's the specialty, the environment, and you as a person. And it's working through those three pillars that that start bringing us to the to your to your the the future that you want for yourself. And it's really difficult sometimes because when it's, for instance, when it's a work environment, sometimes it's really hard to be able to put those things into words. You, you know, things like uh, terminologies that we have now that we didn't have 20 years ago, like microaggression and compassion fatigue and, you know, poor team. You know, we, we didn't think in those ways before. And now it's about bringing those those complex topics to the surface in a way that is tangible and recognizable. And that can be quite difficult. It's very easy to follow an algorithm. It's very easy to try to to fix a process and a system. It's not so easy to fix those soft skills. And that can be coming from you. It can be coming from your environment. So it is a very complex issue. And that's part of the reason I think we struggle with it so much because we actually haven't realized the depth of complexity involved in how to have a successful career and a fulfilled life. It's, it's, it's complex. But again, deliberate thought, deliberate action will get you down the path always. Mm-hmm. But it is hard work. It takes commitment and you've got to be ready to pivot. Yeah, that's interesting. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. It actually takes hard work. It does take hard work. It takes a lot of thinking, a bit of self-exploration, which could be quite uncomfortable. And being then ready to pivot to say, actually, that wasn't suiting me and getting out the mindset that I failed. I failed at this. You haven't failed. You just found mm. something you don't like doing. So try something else. I just want to, before Correct. we finish in a minute, I'm going to ask you for your three top tips for anybody mm. who's sort of got these questions and struggling with this. But what about this thing about mm. diversifying your work? Because I I found that um, actually doing something different within within my role as a, as a GP was the thing that enabled me to carry on because it enabled me to use my brain in different ways. So I, it was very much into medical education and set up and run a professionalism course that I really, really loved. And it was just helped me use my skills in different ways. So how would you help someone who was thinking, oh, I just want to diversify and, and find the right roles? I mean, would you, first of all, would you say it's a good idea or? It depends because it depends on who you are. And it depends on what stage you are at in your career. Because if you had asked me that question 10 years ago, I would have said, diversify, don't be ridiculous. I'm just I'm, I'm just about managing as a physician. You want me to do something else? No, I can't. I just can't. And one of the things um, I talk people through is why you want to do something. So that diversification is something that worked for you and is something that worked for me later on in my career. It's not something that would have worked for me at the beginning of my career. And I really struggled with the concept of people asking me all the time, oh, so so, so do you want to take the lead on that? Or so do you want to do this? Because I was just like, well, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. <laughs> I actually just want to really enjoy being a consultant and this for a little bit. I just want to do that. And once I've got my head around it, I feel firm and, and I feel grounded in the sand that I'm re- now I can use that to leverage off and push off and think about how else I can work and make the system better in which I am working. But at the beginning, I found it really overwhelming and really stressful when people kept asking me, well, what, what, what are you going to do? What are you going to take on? You know, and so I think where you are in your career is very important. 
and why you want to diversify is important. And it comes back to our earlier, our earlier conversation. Are you diversifying because you feel that you should? You've been told that it's time that you feel that you, it's, how are you contributing to the department? Hang on, I turn up for work. What more do you want? And <laughs> I'm doing I do a good a job. job. Yes. Let me do a good job, right? Or is it that you'd have a genuine interest in something and you really want to put your time and energy into, into growing this, this idea or this project or this thing that is, is this, is this again, to sound at risk of sounding corny, is this a passion for you? So your why of diversification is very important because if you're just doing something because you've been told to or you think you should or you're being pressured into it, it's not going to be helpful. And if it's at the wrong time in your career, it can be downright harmful and you'll end up splitting yourself and not doing a good job in any way. So why do you want to diversify would be my first question. And then we go back to the beginning again. What are your strengths? What are your values? What are you good at? So when you diversify, you actually pick something that is going to be meaningful for you and be useful to the, to the whole system of health, whether it be in your little trust or DGH or in a teaching hospital, whatever, what, contribution, what, what contribution of you will this be making? Mm. Because that's the only way you're going to really have a meaningful relationship with it. Yeah, yeah. And I know you talked about this before, that many of us have these toxic relationships with our careers, thinking we ought to, we should do. We're going to stay in this exactly same stuck place because it's it's comfortable, even though it's uncomfortable, but it's more comfortable than the, the, the fear mm. of, of doing something else. So just to finish off, what what top three tips would you have for listeners who are feeling a bit stuck, but a bit like, ah, I'm a bit, bit worried, you know, I'm stuck, but I'm comfortable. Well, first I will always start with <laughs> physician, know thyself. You've got to take the time. You've got to find the time to do the self-reflection. You've got to really stop and think about your, your, your why, your what, and your how. What do you want? What do you really want? How do you want to work? You know, how do you want to live? Why do you want it? Do you want it because you think you're supposed to want it? Does it bring you a sense of security? Is this how you see yourself? Why do you want what you want? And then how are you going to get it? Are you focused? Are you laser focused? Or do you know your path? Are you going to go down it? Or are you actually willing to stop, take time, meander around, ask them questions? You're, 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 and then who? Who do you need? Who do you need to help you on this path, right? Get yourself a mentor. As, as I say to people all the time, if you were planning a trip, yes, you would Google it and yes, you could go to TripAdvisor. But if you could, you would ask somebody who's done it, who's been there, who lives there, who, who knows, who's, who's helped somebody else get there. You always ask for help. We're not good at asking for help and we are not good to responding to people when they ask for help either. It works both ways. So those are the, the things I would say that you need to focus on to start with. And then be truly honest with yourself. If you're struggling, ask the people that you love and ask them to be honest with you about it. And last but not least, invest in yourself. Find the time to take care of you. Find the time to bring peace to your mind, to your heart and to your soul. Because there is no 
investment too big or too small to make in yourself. Because anytime you turn up as the best you, the world is a better place for it, no matter what it is you're, you're doing. And this one is a really difficult one for us as physicians. And when I say invest in yourself, I don't mean go and do another degree or go, go do another course. I mean, invest in something that brings you true joy and happiness, helps you center yourself, ground down, and really take time to appreciate who you are and what you do. That is a, a very important investment we need to make. And one of those buzzwords that have gone a bit funny is self-care. And okay, self-care can mean whatever it means. It means brushing your hair a hundred times at night, fine. It means, you know, walking the dog, fine. Self-care doesn't have to be uh, elaborate. It doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to spend three and a half hours in meditation. Self-care is whatever it is that works for you, that investment in yourself. So those are the three things. Know yourself, <laughs> invest in yourself, and take time to create that alignment with who you are, with what you do. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Pauline. I think that's going to be hugely helpful to many, many people. It's been really helpful to me just, just talking to you today. If people <laughs> wanted to get hold of you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> It's like my own personal coaching session. Thank you. So you can always find me on Doctors Caring for Doctors. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook, you know, and I've got a lovely little, I'll call it an ebook, but really it's just a little guide, you know, about 10 coping strategies for physicians. You, you get onto the website, you can download it for free. People have found that really quite helpful. So Doctors Caring for Doctors, you can find me on all social media platforms and I look forward to seeing you and everyone else there <laughs> brilliant thank you so much and we'll put all those links in the show notes so Pauline I, I feel we're going to need to get you back again at some point to talk to us more about this will you come <laughs> back on again oh I have yeah I haven't told you my other three pillars yet oh okay right you're <laughs> on we'll get you back me. to do the other three pillars brilliant <laughs> that's fantastic so thank you so much for spending the time and we'll speak to you soon absolutely thank you so much Rachel bye-bye Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please share it with your friends and colleagues. Please subscribe to my You Are Not A Frog email list and subscribe to the podcast. And if you have enjoyed it, then please leave me a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. So keep well, everyone. You're doing a great job. You got this. <laughs>